Cafeteria Talk, the podcast where we talk about any and everything, just like the days at the table hanging with your boys, your girls, your homeboys. It's your boy, Quattro, back on the mic one time. What to do? It's your boy, Slick Rob. No introduction needed. Let's get to it. Yeah, man. We back with another movie review for your boys. We're going to be reviewing The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, baby. So, but first, y'all know how we do this. Let me, let me get a little bit of business done. You can follow Cafeteria Talk on Instagram at Cafeteria Talk Official on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter at Cafeteria Talk. And if you happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us five-star ratings and reviews so we end up on that new and noteworthy list so you guys can uh, get to us a little bit easier. Please and thank you. Rob, how you been, man? I've been good. Just chilling, just, you know, letting the days go by, getting stuff done. I like that, man. That's, that's really all you can do, man. Just... I always tell my parents, and they ask me, I'm like, you know, God's still good and the money's still green, so I can't complain. Can't always. complain. I'm just out here chilling. But uh, tell us about this put-on segment we like to do. So you already know what the put-on segments. We like to sit here and just let you know. You know, you the people know what we've been sitting here watching, eating, as Will likes to do, read, seen, listened to, that we think y'all should check out. And I'm going to go first. Um... You know, with everything that was happening with George Floyd, a, mu- um, a song came out by, um, I'm going to say, was it Mick Mill? Yeah, Mick Mill called Other Side of America. And it was a interesting, interesting song. Um, no, but like a lot of a lot of artists have come up with good content dealing with everything that's been going on in the country with Black Lives Matter and all that. So, mm-hmm. you know, Mick Mill basically told his side of being black in America. Called, and the song was called Outside of America. You know, he basically told about how he lived in a rough neighborhood. They weren't protected by police. You know, how people were going, people getting shot, all this stuff, how crazy it was over there in Philly. And, like, I'm just like, wow. It's a very good song. You know, it's a banger for real. It's a banger for real. And I think I should definitely take a, take a listen to it. Definitely. Um, I, I like what you said about uh, a lot of black meat, black songs coming out um, through, you know, the whole situation, George Floyd and the protests and stuff like that. I remember us talking about on our Juneteenth episode how um, it, it's been a wonderful thing to see how artists have come out in this time of, of turmoil for black people in America. And um, it's not this is not my put on, but it's something that I want to bring everybody's attention. If you haven't listened to the Black Lives Matter playlist on Spotify, it's dope. I absolutely love it. Um, it's got staple songs like Say It Loud by James Brown, Freedom with Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Don't Die by Killer Mike, uh, 16 Shots by Vic Mensa. FDT by YG and Nipsey, uh, rest in peace. My petition, Jill Scott, uh, Ooh Child of the Five Stair Steps, Kings, uh, Black Gold, Love is in Need of Today, uh, Black Butterfly, Optimistic. There's just so many great songs. Middle Child, uh, Black is Beautiful by Chronics, My Power, Tribe, um, F the Police is even in here, you know, Kaepernick Effect by Jack. So many great yeah. songs. My favorite song probably in this, I wish I knew how how it uh, feels to be free by Nina Simone. 
Yeah. An amazing song. I love Nina, Nina Simone. Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday. You know, I, if, you, if you're black, you've heard that song a, a million times. Oh, yeah. But um, Black Lives Matter playlist on Spotify. Definitely check that out. I'm sure Apple Music's got one. You know, everybody's got one. And even the Netflix, uh, the movie collection they have, um, what's it called? I think it's I think it's called Black Lives Black Lives Matter Collection. Yeah. You can check that out. But my official put on is uh, one of my favorite groups, actually, former Disney's Next Big Thing uh, contestants, Chloe and Haley, have uh, released their newest album uh, when this episode drops probably a few weeks ago um, called Ungodly Hour. Uh, really enjoyed it. I gave it a 95% on a cafeteria score, cafeteria table score uh, when I reviewed it on uh, the Instagram. Really enjoyed it. Um, it's definitely... One of my biggest things about it, it was it shows the growth of the artists. Yeah. Because they started on, like I said, Disney, Disney's Big Next Thing. They were like, Disney started with like kiddish songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they came out with Kids Are All Right, their, um, their kind of first studio album. And then, you know, since then, they've kind of teamed up with Beyonce. They were opening for Beyonce on her tour. Uh, Beyonce's kind of taking her, taking them under her wing. And you can see they've really grown. They even sound like Beyonce in some songs, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um... You know, they're singing about being the other woman. You know, uh, one of my favorite songs, Busy Boy, is about uh, a man hoe, pretty much. And I just really love to see their growth as artists. Can't wait to, to watch more what they do in, in terms of taking over the R&B industry. Uh, we're going to definitely be catching Haley in uh, her role as uh, Ariel in the new uh, live-action Little Mermaid. Can't wait to see that. True. So my put-on, definitely check out uh, Ungodly Hour by Chloe and Haley. Um, you can check that on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you find music for but y'all know what you're here for. You already know what the dealio is. We're here to talk about the five bloods. But before we do that, before we before we get into 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 that type of stuff, there's a certain way we do things here at Cafeteria Talk. Kind of a little flow in terms of our movie and TV and music reviews that we do. Uh, just a little, just a little folky, everybody, you know, or, organized. Or organized. <laughs> uh, all right, so basically for our movies, we look at them in three different ways. First, we get the visuals. How does the movie look? Because I believe when you go see a movie, the first thing you do is you see the movie. It needs to catch you visually. Does it catch the viewer's eye? Does it encompass... And this also encompasses the costumes, the lighting scape, the CGI, all that. Any, everything you see, all the visual aspects of that film. And then secondly, we look at the story, which is, just, I think, the, the another huge part of a movie. What is it about? What is it? Does it tell a good story? Is it well paced? You can comment on the writing, the tone, the structure, the things that happen, the beginning, the middle, the end, all stuff like that. Just like they do in Transformers too. Beginning, middle, end, plot, condense, go. It's just love yeah. that part. Um, and then last, look at the implications. What are we left with? What do we learn? Do we want more episodes, seasons, spinoffs? Do we want a sequel to the movie? Do we want a prequel? Stuff like that. And so definitely, uh, we'll be watching. Uh, watching our little flow here. So now, without further ado, Robert, go ahead and uh, go ahead and give us give us this piece here. Okay, official spoiler warning for the Five Bloods. If you have not seen it, after we give all three of these, we will be going especially into spoilers. So, you know, pause right where we at, and boom. Just play back, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen to us. But yes, there's official spoiler warning for The Five Bloods here. It's a joint by Spike Lee, so definitely spoiler warning in case you haven't watched it yet. Go check it out on Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. 
But yes, yeah, spoiler warning. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Boom, there it is. And here's another one. Spoiler warning. We're going into it in three, two, one. All the five bloods die. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, so first, let's get into these to these visuals, man. It's Spike Lee. We knew we were gonna get a visual spectacle when we saw it. Of but course. I the just the set pieces and not even the set pieces. I want to talk about how Spike Lee's kind of way of doing movies where. He, he while he's teaching you something he's also showing you how it's done so i loved how whenever they mentioned a prominent black event or prominent black person like they would for like a quick second flash that person's picture on the screen i really like i don't know why that jumped out to me so but i thought it was really interesting when they, when they talked about like Martin Luther king and how his his picture popped on the screen i was like okay cool i feel like i'm in the, like i feel like i'm in class yeah like i'm learning something so i really like that me visually um i'm trying to learn a lot from spike lee because he's one of my favorite filmmakers like of all time mm -hmm. and you know he visually i was like it's like i was watching a spike lee joint because spike lee he loves to do the the low ground high ground type shots basically yes. shoot them high if they're basically in in the scene they're powerless and yep. there's someone powerful than them and shoot them hot and no shoot them low if they have more power so it's like they're looking down at you and i saw that basically throughout the whole movie there were so many shots like that and like there's just certain shots that you can continue to do in a movie because they work. And those shots, Spike Lee really is one of the main ones, architects behind that. Because a lot of movies will do that here and there a couple of times, but Spike Lee, he's always known to have, like, he's always got a simple wide shot, a quick angle shot that got the full body. And it's that high shot, low shot. Power and powerless. And, like, it helps, it helps people understand. Because a lot of times when you watch a movie, a lot of people kind of don't understand which character is more important than the other. And how the angle is, angles are important. Definitely. And so he uses those angles well. And like, like you said, with the pictures, like, I just thought that was gas. Like, mm -hmm. I felt like I really thought I was like back in history class. Like, it's like we got little, every picture comes a little step in history of America with the black man. And I thought it was dope. Um, and then the different color gradings for the scenes and all that. I'm just right. Like, I really liked how he used uh when he, uh, he shot this film in digital and in HD, and I thought that was really yeah. cool. And you can definitely see where some parts are digital, some are HD, and definitely like all the old scenes that where he shot like that were supposed to be like during the Vietnam War was were interestingly done in digital, and I thought that was really cool to kind of give it that old that older flair because I felt like I was watching an 80s 70s 80s war film, yeah. which I thought was really cool. And the costuming in this in this movie was really good too. I think the guys look great, and i i thought I thought it very interesting. He he didn't use younger actors to play them while they were in Vietnam. They, he had the same actors he played present day, you know, play themselves in Vietnam. I thought that was really interesting because you have to worry about the younger actors acting like the older actors, the older actors doing things that the younger actors did. You don't have to do any of that because they're they're the same person. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And Chadwick Boseman looked great. He looked incredible and his pictures they i put in the review the director of the photography in this uh movie needs to be a raise an oscar he needs something because he killed it for this movie yes and i cannot remember his name i literally wrote it down and then i might have got alerted of it but yeah but i gotta find it it was it was gas like the cinematography in this movie and just the whole thing of shooting shooting on digital and then shooting in hd was just it was just gas, because like, I think throughout the whole trailer, it only showed the, the digital shots like throughout the trailer. It's one of the few Netflix trailers that really didn't spoil the movie, you know? Unless we know the whole story behind the five blood and all that. So, you know, it was kind of dope seeing that. And I'm just like, like Spike, like when it comes to, as DJ Newell loves to say, film, why, why certain movie, like 
genres and stuff do so well because it changes how films are made. When you change the way films are made, that's where you make your mark in history and that's where you put yourself up there. And that's what Spike Lee has done. Like Spike Lee literally, he did like so many different things that has never been done in a movie before. Well, I don't know of another movie that's been shot in digital and HD at the same time. You got clips, digital, HD, and all that. And, like, it's just, guys, he's literally been changing the way films have been made since he started. And it's, like, it's just, it's, he's, he's goaded for that. Like, mm. it's something different every film. And, like, he's bringing new flavor and new zest to the table. Like, it's dope. Then the actors, you know, we're trying to get into that a little bit. Definitely. But um, one of the things, um, so the cinematographer for um, The Five Bloods is Newton Thomas Segal, and he actually worked on Extraction, a Netflix movie that came out maybe a few months before this one did. Yeah. And he literally was like, I finished that and, and like came and started working on The Five Bloods. And he was talking about some of the hardest shots he had to film. And one was uh, mastering um, Spike Lee's uh, Double Dolly. And we all know the dolly zoom is when you're moving into the subject while turning the camera. Yeah. And that's and it, Spike Lee's got that on 10 where it's kind of a double shot where not only is the subject moving, but so is the camera. And so it's it's really interesting on how he got that done for uh, for that to happen in this film. And Spike Lee does this dolly zoom all the time. Oh, yeah. And just, I really love watch. I love what you said about, you know, him being one of your favorite uh, filmmakers. I really um, am inspired by... Uh, Spike Lee because um, Spike Lee to me he oh, Spike Lee to me he's like one of those great uh, African American filmmakers now that you know makes it very attainable for other black people and he's definitely a, a beacon for us to look at as future filmmakers to want to uh, attain him Tyler Perry other people like like those two uh, men have really kind of paved the way for for the future, and I really like that about Spike Lee's movies. And you can do it in a it's it's literally watching art on TV, watching watching his movies. You know, you to talk about the Five Bloods, um, his other joints like Crooklyn is one of my favorite movies of all time. Facts. Um, you can look at uh, Do the Right Thing. All all of his movies are just black excellence personified. I mean, one of the characters in the Five Bloods went to Morehouse. Like one of my favorite scenes when he was like. Uh, where did you go to school? And the guy was like, the house. And he's talking about Morehouse College, which is where you know, a bunch of staple um, black people have been, Martin Luther King being one, uh, Flying Moses. You know, just so many great people have been, have come out of the Morehouse. And so, you know, to, I love how unapologetically black his movies are. And Spike Lee will tell you, he's unapologetically black. I mean, he wore oh, yeah. love, hate rings to the Oscars. And won them, won the Oscar while holding the two rings. Loved Facts. it. Great moment. Anything else you have on the visuals before we move on to the story? Um, I just love and like this is a little different too, coming visual wise. When you do the the double, like the double take, the the, the wide shot with the with the motions, and yeah, then they the come close. Dolly. The double dolly, like you know, it's just so like people don't people when they first watch the movie when they get it the second time. Those were all kind of some serious moments a lot. Mm -hmm. And so it gives more meaning to the scene. Like, that action just gives more meaning to what, like, the seriousness of the scene or that moment. Yeah. And I just think that's dope. Like, you're literally... It's a good... Like, as DJ Newell says, sometimes you have good film movies that aren't good movies, but you have good movies that aren't good films. Mm -hmm. This is in between. This is a good film that is a good movie because there's a good story and it's shot well and it's done well. And the plot is just... 
Yeah, we finna get into that. Slice down. But yeah, let's get to it. And I also, one of the last things I wanted to say was that in, in terms of the costuming, it looks, uh, Ty, Ty loves to use this, uh, this, this, these words uh, often. It looks very lived in. You know, it doesn't look like over, over dramatically war, and it does also doesn't look uh, under underwhelming in terms of war. It yeah. looks very lived in. Looks very real. When I, because Spike Lee talked about it when he before he you know started writing the Five Bloods, he did as much research as he could. He watched tons of documentaries. You know, read tons of books, runs read tons of articles to really understand what was going on. He even said when they first uh, when they finished the Five Bloods, he had four screenings with black. Um, Korean War veterans and Vietnam veterans and not Korean War the Vietnam veterans and he said it was so like it 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 touched them so that a lot of them had to like you know leave the movie theater get themselves together then come back because it was so real it was so rooted into the the source material and I really like that about this movie yeah but as we move on to the story okay so when I saw the trailer I my mind immediately went to uh, a movie that came out probably two years before this one did Triple Frontier starring Oscar Isaac Ben Affleck mm-hmm. um, Pedro Pascal and a couple other people uh, where they went back and they uh, I think they were alerted to some drug money and then they had to go they went like without the American seal you know they weren't they were used to be soldiers but they're not soldiers anymore yeah. they go over to I think it was I think it was somewhere uh, in the south america and they go get this money and then on the journey back home you know people get greedy people got killed and then only a few people made it back home and this money got dispersed so that's what this movie gave me when i first saw the movie i was like oh this is definitely kind of like triple frontier i wouldn't say that it's better or worse i think they're just as good they're they're they both in the length in their respective lanes they're both great movies Mm -hmm. so that was it it's very remnant of that movie which is something that i i personally didn't like i was like it could have been kind of its own thing but even even it being so similar to, to Triple Frontier, it it also was so different. So I think it kind of works. But um, in terms of just, I think they did a better job at diving deeper into who these guys were than Triple Frontier did. Weren't Frontier did? Yeah. Especially with uh, Daryl Lindo's character, um, the way they dove deep into his PTSD after Vietnam, him seeing Storm and Norman Chadwick Boseman's character. Uh, in his sleep and his ghost was haunting him I thought that was really 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 real, really really well done yeah cause PTSD is usually done very uh, in a very minute way where it's just kinda oh this guy's going crazy he's got PTSD move on no like there was real there was real levels to his PTSD oh yeah for sure and like when it comes to the story for me like like you said first watching the trailer I did think a little bit of Triple Frontier and then I also thought no cap. I thought this was kind of like also like um, also like a little bit of a documentary in of itself as well. Um, but you know, it was I got totally different vibes when I watched the movie. Um, and I I, lo- I like the story. Um, because you know, when I was because it's crazy about a about a semester and a half ago, I did I did my last history class that I had to do for my credits for towards my AA, and I talked mm-hmm. and it talked about the Vietnam War. So you know. It was U.S. history from 1877. So, you know, talking about the Vietnam War and how there was this big thing with the U.S. about they don't want to be, oh, my God, I don't know. They don't want this big stick diplomacy thing. They right. don't, don't want to be these, Jesus, I don't know, dictators and all this stuff and go around and doing this to people. But, you know, it's like 
what the U.S. The idea was the U.S. had become what they feared of other countries. They had become ruthless, uncaring, and crazy when they've been sitting here killing all these people, these children, these women. These, you know, there's really there's been a couple films about the Vietnam War, but to this magnitude, and it hasn't been shot this well, which mm. was just kind of dope. And the whole story, like just the premise and the backstory behind it, is about Vietnam and the soldiers, and then diving into the black soldiers and like deal with that whole thing. They're still fighting for their freedom and their liberties back at home. And I just thought it was dope. And you know. You know, that's just... Yeah, that that I love how you brought it back to that. It, like you said, unapologetically black. It just was... It Not only were you watching a movie based in the Vietnam War, you were learning about the Vietnam War. I, I love that scene with the uh, the Korean uh, or Vietnamese um, radio host, and she was talking about the, the death of Martin Luther King, and she was announcing to the world, you know, the atrocities that were going on here. And she, you know, was talking to the black GIs, she was like, yo, like, I understand that, like, you're fighting a war that you have no, you're forced to fight. You have no idea what you're fighting for. You're over here because good old Uncle Sam told you to be over here. Mm -hmm. So this is, this goes out to the black GIs. You know, you've lost a great leader in Martin Luther King. And also just that scene alone, when they found out that Martin Luther King is dead and they're ready to come back. And he he was like, I'm ready. I want to go kill some crackers. And uh, this man was talking about uh, Storm and Norman, was talking about y'all talking about a man of peace like we're not going to go kill these people and the great thing about that scene that he used that 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 I love to call it the downhill shot where you know Chadwick's kind of they're kind of he's kind of shot up uh, over he, he shot above his uh his his other counterparts the other bloods and I thought that was so just so beautiful and not and also if you notice in that scene that the whole time we're talking about wanting to go kill people there they're they're ready to go kill. They got their guns up. They're 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 pissed, and the entire time Chadwick is talking to them, he's at ease. His guns down, and I thought like they're ready for war. He's at ease, and and I mean one of your your leader just been killed. You should be ready for war. Yeah. But we're talking about a man of peace. We're not going to go out like that, and just things like that. You know, character characterization in just in that where his the other bloods were more militant than their leader Chadwick Chadwick Boseman was was just beautiful, and. Just them coming together, it also felt more real. Like they hadn't seen each other in years at the beginning at the beginning of the movie, and yet they still had that camaraderie, that camaraderie, that brotherhood that really kept them in to um, kept them together. And I really thought that was dope. And to see they didn't really dive as deep as as Triple Frontier did into, you know, what their um, what they've been up to since the war or whatever. Yeah. Like there was characterization moments where like. Oh, like, you know, business at the car dealership's been bad or, you know, juniors off the college type stuff. But, you know, the story wasn't really about them yesterday. It's about them today. And I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was. That was that was that was good. Um, I think characterization was just very heavy in this movie Um, with each of the bloods. You know, um, they each had their moment of like, I would say their big coming out moment of boom, like, it's almost like they had their big monologue in the play. And mm. like, that's that was like... Because basically, every film is a screenplay. Right. So, you know, each of them, have, of course, had their big monologue. But it's like, did one outweigh the other? I would say, um, what's his name's character? I keep forgetting um, his character's name. Uh, Paul Del Orlando? Yeah. Yeah. His character, I would say that, of course, I think his was more prevalent and bigger than everybody else's. But, you know, everyone's big moment was like a stop motion like it's like think stop and like 
time froze when they all had their big big monologue scene I, I like to call them monologue scenes when they had their big spiel and all that and I think it's just dope um you know and the side characters were good too you know you had a guy who was Vietnamese and he had a family you had and then you know you had a Vietnamese woman who had Spoiler, spoiler. It is what it is. She had a she had a daughter with one of the five bloods. So you know it's kind of uh, Otis with Otis. So you know it's that connection. Like you know, I really like that that when she was explaining you know her their hardships because that was a huge issue during yeah. the Vietnam War. You know these American soldiers, meant black, white, and indifferent, would go over to Vietnam and Korea and have sex with these women, yeah. make children, and never claim them. Mm-hmm. There's tons of women, you know, in these places who have fathers that they've never even seen because they were just soldiers during the yep. war. I thought that was a really cool element to, to bring in. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the different, you know, kind of character things that were going on with each of them. Like, you know, uh, Daryl Roy Lindell had his PTSD, of course, and then you had um, uh, Clark Peters, Otis, who, you know, he was dealing with... These are old men. They were out there, you know, doing young men things. Mm-hmm. And he had, you know, he had the Oxycontin. You know, they didn't want him to get hooked on that Oxy because of his hip. And then he had, you know, he was the one that had the, the lady that was in Vietnam who he also had a daughter that he didn't know about. And then Norm Lewis, he was the... He had the most money, uh, Eddie. Yeah. You know, he had the car dealerships. He You find out towards the end of the movie, he's lost it all. So yeah. this, he's riding on the money from this from this thing. But then you would think that, but no, he's the one who's like, yo, like Norm wanted us to give this money to, you know, mo- the movement, give this money to the tar- back to our people. And then, of course, you had Isaiah Whitlock Jr. who played Melvin. He just was a drinker. He yeah. Just drink you under the table. Oh, yeah. Like when he got drunk in that bar with, with them ladies, that was uh, definitely something uh, different. That was, that was, that was hilarious. This, this movie was hilarious. Man, out of all the seriousness... This truly was a black film because we hear yes. we hear all the funny behind roast remarks that we be hearing at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh my god, yeah. Especially when you say you'll get your macaroni bean cone. I was like, oh my god, if this ain't something I will be hearing at the Thanksgiving table with the film. I don't know what it is. In fact, it was like watching your four drunk uncles, you know, outside at, at the at the at the grill just just talking football. That's really how it was. I'm saying. And also we really like the while this was set in like Vietnam and Vietnam's of course not as advanced as as America in a lot of ways. Um you had that connection to today with with uh Delroy Lindo's character um Paul wearing the the MAGA hat. Yeah. Because in every group you're going to have one that's that, that ain't seen the light yet. And you know they're like you're a Trump supporter? He was like, "Heck yeah, I vote for him." I'm like, Wow. Okay. So, you know, that was just very interesting. And then to see his son who went to Morehouse, I really, I really loved that his son was in the movie. I thought it was gonna be yeah. annoying. He was gonna be annoying at first. Yeah. But the son in this movie, he was a really big staple for me because his characterization of you know, he'll, he's probably went back went back home after this whole ordeal, and like he was like, yo, this this thing changed my life. I mean, he's he got closer to his father who the entire movie really berated this man. Like, Facts. You know, he told this man probably at least three times, like, you're not my son. I disown you. You're nothing to me. Like, you ain't nothing. Ain't gonna be nothing. I'm like, yo, how do you still mess with this man? Like, look at the way he's talking to you. And boom, that that's that's kind of how, you know, how I loved how Jonathan Majors, who played David, the son, was in this movie. I didn't really understand the, the, the white people's... Um, role in this movie Simon and uh, Heidi 
and uh, Larry, like it was a it was necessary, I guess, kind of to give David a love interest in Heidi. But I just was like, this seems like an add on that wasn't necessary. Did you feel that way or? Well, when it came to the white people thing, um, I just think it kind of when I think Spike Lee was kind of. You know, when you, it all depends on the audience you want to touch. You know, Spike Lee is a, he's all about his blackness, but you know, he want, you know, I think with every filmmaker, they would want their movies to touch everybody. So, you know, bringing in a white counterpart, you know, to, you know, shows, shows a little bit of the diversity in it all, you know, the connections, um, you know, and plus like one big thing behind this was giving back to the people. So, you know, like having not just your kind, but other kind connect, you know. This honestly, that I think the char- like characterization, like the seriousness with that side characters, weren't as prevalent as the the Vietnamese guy. But I think it was a good spice. It was a good spice to it. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing too serious. Um, you know, one of my favorite scenes was with Heidi. Um, it was kind of funny when she was sitting there talking to um David David about you know I think she was um German or something like that. She was something. She was from overseas. So you know, I thought Fran- I think it was French. French, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I thought that was kind of cool, you know, showing all those type of things because then you got to think about it. Well, their characters is kind of all about kind of like diffusing with bombs and all that. Plus, you know, yeah, France, Paris, France. That's when most terrorist terrorist stuff happens. So you yeah. know, that's kind of just like kind of throwing extra political things in a little to spice up a big political thing that happened in the yes US, for sure, which was kind of cool. You know, characterized it wasn't all that you know really big love interest, but her the backstory was more prevalent. I think the backstory is a little bit more prevalent than the character. Character mm-hmm. did have moments, but the backstory I think was a little bit more prevalent. So that's how I felt about their characters. So let me ask let me ask you this. So who would you say was your favorite character? My favorite character. It was I. It was Storm Norm at first because of the I'm a, I love history. Before hot take, before I was gonna try to go to film, I was gonna be a history major, but I just fell love in films because films is literally retelling history right now. But you know, it was Storm Norm because he was giving the whole history lesson through it all. Mm-hmm. But my favorite character was honestly the son, like Jonathan Majors David. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he he got to. He got to really see the because he's he goes to college like you know he's one he's a lot of us kids out here, you know, you know I'm a because I kind of related to him more. Mm-hmm. I got that military blessing like mm-hmm. my my dad he didn't my dad didn't go out to wars um but my dad my dad served in the military he's done some things not crazy things you know what I'm yeah saying? he sacrificed a lot for me so you know you know my dad has a little bit of PTSD his big his biggest PTSD is actually from 9 11. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I kind of relate to the kid in the aspects, you know, it's hard, like, being a military brat, you know, I mean, his biggest issue wasn't really about military-wise, but, you know, military brat, you got certain certain liberties and all this stuff that you can do, so, you know, and but there's always going to be that one issue, like, with parents. Sometimes connectivity is hard when your parent has been through war, you haven't seen them a lot, mm. and then y'all haven't been on connecting as much, because, you know... And his, his military- father was a part of one of the probably one of the most bloodiest wars in American history, yeah. Vietnam. So, you know, he's probably seen some things that, you know, would make you piss your bed. So definitely yeah. get that. Yeah. He was able to get to see what it's like military-wise, veteran, what we had to do and all this. He got to connect with all four of them and understand everything. And, you know, he, he grew. He grew. He he grew a lot. He grew a lot in this movie. And I... I thought it was good, and I, and I love the closure that came between him and his dad, and it was very, 
It was very good. And plus, he stole he, he stole the show for me, honestly. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that again. Like, if anything, the actor uh, Jonathan Majors really does a great job of showing that transition from you know where he was at the beginning of the movie to the end. Because you could literally see in the way he carried himself, his face, just how much he grew in this trip with the Five Bloods. So with the four, you know, with Chad with being dead at the end. But yeah, so I think my favorite character was is definitely Delroy Lindo. Uh, he played Paul. Yeah, his portrayal of PTSD. His monologues, uh, the way he played his character. I've always I've always been a fan of Delroy Lindo, so when I saw he was in this movie, I was like, oh, I'm set. I mean, it's a Spike Lee joint, so I expected to see him at some juncture yeah. anyway. But I really uh, liked his his role in this movie. He, he looked great. He did a great job with it. Let me ask you this now. Favorite part of the movie? My favorite part? Yeah. It would probably be... Delroy Lindo, it's hard. I think it both they both involved Delroy Lindo. It'll probably be when he. It's kind of a sad part, but it, Delroy Lindo's leading up to his death when he's when he's broken off from the Bloods and all that. You mm. know he um. You know, and he was going off, and then you know he kind of had his collapse. He loses his like you know his part of the gold is separated apart and everything. You know, and he has his talk. Yeah. Basically, his coming a moment with God. You know, and he's talking with the people, and he has this big monologue where he's kind of like essentially like kind of looking at the camera, but not looking at the camera, and he's talking and just saying all this stuff. And then you know, he has this thing with Storm Norm, like that whole that whole section of him going going through the wilderness, his last trip through the wilderness. You know, singing, saying some of the phrases that a lot of those black people have said when they were running away from slave masters when they were going into war. Do I walk the valley shadow of death? I fear no. All this and that. All this good stuff, you know, it was like, it was very, it was very good, you know, like when he's basically essentially finna get killed, you know, and he's singing, you know, he's doing all this and that, you know, and he died, you know, it was, it was very interesting seeing that because like, you know, and he has this coming to moment where he finally is able to grapple with the PT, with, with the ghost of, of Norm, mm-hmm. you know, Norm says he forgives him and I'm just like, it's powerful because, like, all that baggage he's been carrying was finally released, even though it's, like, a little too late. He can't really finish off his life, but, like, it is what it is. Like, I think he died in closure because he knew he had been forgiven for yeah. what happened, even though it was an accident. I thought that was I thought that was just very interesting because for a good amount of the movie, I'm just like, okay, like, bro, like, what is the... I was trying to figure out what was the main thing with this man, because you know I know you know he was a veteran, all but like when I found when when you found out oh he killed Norm on accident, so you know right. he's grappling with that. It was just very, it was just a very, very good moment. Okay, so I'd say uh, I have three favorite parts of this movie. I couldn't narrow it down to one. I one of one of the one of those being uh, that scene where um, Jonathan Davis's character uh, David had uh, stepped on one of the pressure plates, one one of which had just killed Eddie, yeah. had blew him to smithereens, and now Jonathan Major, uh, he stepped on one, and you know now they're, they're trying to figure out how to get him off. And I love how when they tied that rope around him and everybody's about to pull him off, and his, his dad's kind of coaching him through it, he was like, all right, what school did you go to? And he's like, the house! And he's like, who came out of the house? Moses the King, Flying Moses, who was a famous track star. Yeah. Uh, he was like, now, what I need you to do is run off like you fly. I need you to fly like you Moses. Fly like Moses, which is a great uh, kind of soliloquy to... Um, that's probably the wrong word. I probably sound stupid. 
but it was a great um, allusion to Spike Lee. He used to do the Jordan commercials, yeah. and one of the ad campaigns for Jordan was Fly Like Moses. Yeah. And so that was a really cool Spike Lee moment that I thought. I was like, oh, that's Spike Lee. But um, he was like, I need you to, like, one, two, three, he pulls them off, and I'm great moment I love that scene a lot yeah it was dope and then another scene I really like is when they finally find Storm and Noam's body and they uh, dig it free you know they pray and they put their hands together I love the way that scene was shot I love the sound on that scene I love the dialogue there it was it was most arguably probably my favorite scene and then Daryl Lindo's realization of you know he's really gone like this was my brother cause he said he was the closest one to Storm and Norman out of everybody like yeah. that was his homeboy and then to find out to the end that the reason that Storm and Norm's even dead is because of a stray bullet from Delroy Lindo's gun uh, when he was trying to take out another uh, Viet Cong so I thought that was really really cool and then probably one of my favorite scenes is actually a shot in the movie it's when Otis finally meets his daughter and then they're like kind of like facing the camera and they're smiling I really like that scene there was a lot of, like, facing the camera. Like, they, there were, Lindo talked about how hard it was for him and the cinematographer to get that scene done. It was, just, it was very awkward talking directly into the camera. I, I feel like it would be really awkward for me talking to the camera. It's awkward for me talking directly into this microphone sometimes. Yeah. So, I definitely could see that. And then, so, last thing I want to ask you about the story. What did you think of the end? Well, I thought about the end. Yeah. The, I liked it. The final fight sequence and then them coming I, I liked it. It was kind of cool. Um, I wasn't too surprised. Right. I was definitely not too surprised, but, you know, I kind of liked it. Um, I kind of liked that the son took the, last, took the last shot to kill off the last guy. Um, you know, you know, at the day, I kind of just killed off his dad. You know, it was kind of like, you know, a little bit of karma there. Um, you know, everyone had the, you know, every, you know, the blood's really... Um, it's kind of like essentially like we got a whole new gang of five bloods, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. Which definitely. I definitely saw coming from the jump, low key. I did not see everybody coming out of here alive. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was kind of, I liked it. I, I liked the sequence and everything. It was kind of like I was low key watching like a little, I was like watching the Indiana Jones movie type thing with, yeah. some, with some of it. So, you know, it was kind of dope. You know, Indiana Jones is one of my favorite, you know, film franchises. Um, so, you know, it was kind of dope seeing that. Him finally getting to see his daughter, I just... Love that scene. I love that scene. You know, the daughter, um... Like they said, bro, my, Kevin. Kev, our boy Kev said, bro, Blazion's one of the best things that could ever happen. <laughs> he ain't lying. Blazion's are... are Come on. Uh, yeah, I definitely thought the... I, I thought the the end scene really felt like a, uh, a pseudo-Tarantino movie type feel that just sporadic, just violence at the end. Yeah. Really liked that about that, the, that ending fight. Um, and then, like, when he first talked about jumping on the grenade, um, Isaiah Whitlock's character, Melvin, when he first talked about jumping on the grenade, he was like, oh, I'm not jumping on the grenade for y'all black asses. Yeah. Uh, I, like, it rang in my head. Maybe I only thought because it was just so funny to me the way he said it. But then, like, when, when that grenade gets thrown, he's like, grenade, he jumps over on top of the grenade. I'm like, yo, that's a callback to what he said at the beginning of the movie. Okay, cool. I like that full circle moment. Yeah. I mean, it was sad to see Melvin go. He's probably my favorite out of, out of the Bloods. Yeah, uh, he was, Melvin. Melvin he was, was the funniest to me. He was hilarious. And, and then, like, to see that full circle moment and then them shooting. Although, I'm calling BS on uh, on, on David uh, shooting that dude in the head. He had, because he had mentioned, I've never shot a gun, never held a gun. Uh, perfect shot. Perfect hair shot. Oh, yeah. Right now. I was like, sir. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, I, agree. I get it for plot, you know, like, yes, but 
at the same time, I was like, cap, no way. Perfect mm-hmm. shot, no, sir. I don't like it. But they didn't ricochet or nothing. No, nah, no, nah, perfect. I it mean, just pew, perfect. I was like, no, I don't like it. Mm-mm, no, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't like it. No. But because um, I, I, I'm like, Cat Williams, I'll be damned if I find out that he can shoot a perfect gun. He better be in the goddamn artillery. But no. But then, like you said, the them coming home, I didn't expect, like, we're not, like, bringing it back to the, the what was the name of that movie? Fi- Triple Frontier. Not everybody was going to come out of this alive, of course. Uh, I definitely didn't think so until uh, Eddie died first. And I was like, oh, wait, this is, oh, wait a minute, somebody do got to die. Because when he stepped that pressure plate and exploded, I was like, yeah. Uh, did you just explode? What the? Uh, that was just like, I, no one saw that coming. Bro, no, it was so out of the blue. It was like Vision in uh, Infinity War when he got stabbed by uh, by Corvus Glaive. I was like, huh? Okay, this is, this. okay, I forgot what we're here for. Because the movie had already done so much by then. Yeah. You know, it taught you something. And it got you enthralled with these characters. And then for him to be gone like that, I was like, oh my goodness. And then, like I said, the, the daughter scene was just beautiful. Um... You know, for them to finally get to to meet each other, and the fact you know you would expect for somebody who's never seen their father, you know you would expect resentment and oh you left me, oh you all you did was have sex with my mother and leave me here alone to fend for myself. No, she was like, you my daddy and I love you. Like that's it. That's all. That's all I got to say on it. I was like, wow. I'm saying that's, that's a powerful scene. But as we move on, I think we got any more things on the story you wanted to mention. Uh, I thought it was paced very well. You know, I didn't. It was movies. What two hours long? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's two hours. Two hours. It's actually almost three. It's two two hours and thirty four minutes. I thought I enjoyed all two hours and thirty four minutes. I think it was a perfect length. Not too short. Not too long. Really enjoyed that. It's a it's a pretty easy watch, y'all. I think oh, y'all, yeah. y'all will definitely enjoy it. But um, any implications? What are you left with? What'd you learn? You learn anything or want a sequel or something like that? Not well. I will watch another war movie by Spike Lee. That first thing. Yes. But implications on what I learned. I learned. I think I learned a lot more about. I think I learned a lot more about PTSD. It comes in very different forms because, like you know, oh, most of the PTSDs I've seen is just like from someone that's been like either harassed or been shot with PTSD of someone that's really done something and now it's affected them. You know, it was different seeing that, you know, you know, I think, I, th- I think I learned a little bit. I think I learned a lot more about the Vietnam war by watching this. Cause I learned a lot in school in college, but you right. know, I've learned, I think I learned a little bit more just by watching this, you know, I think it's man, like, it's so interesting, like how much, how much, like you know, they didn't know about the Vietnam War, why they were fighting it. The Vietnam War was a very, you know, most most of the wars we fought in this country, you know, were pretty much everybody was on the same page. Revolutionary War, we wanted, you know, to be free from British rule. You know, the Civil War, we either were, you know, gonna fight for the the South or the North. The North being that they didn't want slavery, and then the South being they wanted slavery. Yeah. And you know, uh, the war on terrorism, we were fighting terrorists. So like. Every, every every war kind of had that, you know, it was kind of black and white with very few gray. Vietnam, tons of gray. Everybody, it was tons of, Martin Luther King, for one, huge op- oppressor of the Vietnam War. And most, most like, a lot of people, because a lot of people believe we went to Vietnam for literally no reason, so, but to take these people's gold. And so, I thought, I thought that was really interesting to really give us a, a deep dive in the history about the Vietnam War in and of itself. And um, 
so I just we like love what I learned about the Vietnam War because I don't know I didn't know too much about the Vietnam War like I'm gonna go back and do more research on on the Vietnam War because of like how bloody it was and how much stuff happened in this war definitely gave me uh more clout uh with Spike Lee I love watching his films um and stuff like that so definitely I mean I doubt they'll I highly doubt there'll be a sequel or any or any other movies connected to this but nah. like you said love to see another war movie from Spike Lee because he did a great job with this hopefully you know streaming be kind of weird around award times but as streaming gets more prevalent I think that's gonna change we're gonna yeah. see a lot more mo- like I think in the next three to five years we'll see our first movie that our first streaming movie that'll win best picture yeah. I think it's very possible um I mean a foreign film won it last year so we get a foreign film to win Best Picture. We can definitely get a movie that's been streamed on like Netflix or Prime or something. Because oh, yeah. I think there's movies that have been streamed that really got the crap into the stick because they're streaming. Like, I mean, Irishman was a Netflix movie and it got nominated for Best Picture. So we're getting there. Oh yeah. But you know, guys, you guys can check out the Five Bloods on Netflix. Oh, real quick, we got to rate this bad boy out of ten, man. Would you get a five, the Five Bloods directed by Spike Lee? I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Cool. I'm going to give it the same thing. I'm going to give it a cool 9 out of 10. Um, so the table score for The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, is 9 out of 10, which is definitely what I would give it. It was beautiful. Great done. Great job, Spike Lee. Thank you so much for this film. Uh, can't wait for your next one. But, man, that's been another episode of Cafeteria Talk. A little, little short and sweet uh, review of the movie The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, another Spike Lee joint. Um, we can go ahead and wrap it up here, man. Where can they find you, Rob? They can find me on Instagram at slick with other C underscore Rob 2 bs underscore on Instagram and Robert EW116 on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at Quattro IV with the period between the C and the U. You can follow me on Twitter at RedKool-Aid317. That will be changing, y'all. I promise. Very soon. Um, DJ and Kid Kev cannot make it. They have some prior engagements. We love them. We miss them. All that. And you also can check out me and Ty's, Fly Guy Ty's new show, Brackets and B-Rolls, coming to your Instagram at Brackets underscore B-Rolls, uh, B-R-A-C-K-E-T-S underscore B-R-O-L-L-S. Same thing for the Twitter, at brackets underscore B-Rolls. Thank you guys for listening, man. We love y'all. Check out The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee, only on Netflix. Love y'all, man. Do something for somebody. Cafeteria Talk. Cafeteria Talk.